Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. And welcome into another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back. The mats are back. And unfortunately, you know, I don't think two is enough mats, uh, Okada. So what we decided to do tonight is, is make it three because two mats isn't enough for a podcast. We decided let's let everyone come on this podcast that's named Matt. And we've got one of my favorite mats in the industry in terms of fantasy football, that is. Uh, we have got Mr. Matt Harmon on the show with us tonight. Harmon, how are you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's like it really is just so there's so many mats. Like it's unbelievable. Uh, I honestly like people ask me for advice all the time about like how do I get how do I get noticed in fantasy? I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe you should probably try for a name change if your name is Matt <laughs> because there's like already too many. It's uh, it's rough. I feel like in regular life I see too many mats, but then in, somehow in the fantasy community, it, the the frequency just skyrockets and it gets even worse. I yeah. don't know. Honestly, it's probably best that it, like most people just call me Harmon anyways, because it at least like people it stands out a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to, like all the other mats out there. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we're gonna have to do tonight. We're gonna have to go by Betts, Okada, and Harmon because if I say Matt, what do you think about this? I think you both are going to start talking. So we'll definitely go by last names for not only our own sake, but for our listeners uh, as well. Uh, Harmon, whenever we have a guest on the show, we'd like to just give you a few minutes, give you the floor, um, let the people know you know, what kind of work you've got going on, how you got your start in the industry, and what you've got going on uh, in your day-to-day life. So the floor is yours. Uh, go ahead and give us a little rundown on all that stuff. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking about this before we just started recording, but you know, this is the time of year where you really get hit by that wave and you kind of go underwater and then you pop back up in January and you're like, hey, where the hell did the last five months go, five, six months or whatever? Um, and I think that it's just right now really focusing on like projecting things for the entire season. You know, I'm wrapping up like kind of my projection process right now, which goes into our fearless forecast series here at Yahoo, which is like kind of one of our main staples from a video perspective. You know, when you go in the app, you see these videos of myself, Brad, Liz, Andy, we're all talking about different players. So wrapping up those right now. And, you know, that's cool because you kind of get to peel back and see the see the league from an entire grand view perspective which is really what i think right now is all about seeing seeing the whole league and then also dialing into specific situations and i love doing a combination of projections and best ball drafts right now because it really kind of puts your feet to the fire in terms of what you really can believe about a player because it's like this is and i don't i don't believe i don't believe this but just hypothetically if you if you're really in on Chris Godwin and then you go into the the Bucks offense and you do projections and like the numbers don't come out to what you think or the, you know there's less there or or you look at your best ball exposures and like you hypothetically like Chris Godwin but you're never drafting him at like his big fat cost maybe you don't like the player as much as you think again i don't believe in that specific example but hypothetically speaking that's what this time of year really does for you yeah, no, that that makes sense. Okada and I just wrapped up our 2019 projections, and first off, holy crap, that is a lot of work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 
it was our first year doing it and by the end of it i was just exhausted and so happy that i wasn't looking at any more excel spreadsheets which <laughs> by the way okada very nicely color-coded uh in so much detail so good job man um but yeah no that's that's definitely 100 percent correct you know the projections can tell you where you stand on a player i know there's been a few guys that i've come across that i'm more surprised at what i've projected because i'm not quite as high on them in my own opinion but then when i run the numbers uh, i feel like i have to be a little bit higher uh, on some of those guys and, and you know we'll we'll talk about a few of those tonight for sure uh, but Harmon, just give us a little rundown on you know where basically our people can find you, where our listeners can find you, um, and how you got to where you're at in Yahoo. Yeah, I mean, you can find all my stuff, just yahoosports.com slash fantasy. All my content's going to be up there. You know, I'm doing a few off-season series right now. We've got the podcast going with Liz Loza and myself. Uh, that's a fun, it's a fun show to do. I think people will have fun if they listen to it. Um, and right now we've got a cool, I just finished a little AMA on our Facebook group that we just started. Um, the link's just on my Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And yeah, obviously you want to be following there if you're not uh, already. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, got a lot of stuff going on. And and in terms of how I, how I got here, like, you know, it's funny. I've been out in LA for four years now, spent three years at the NFL Network. And then last year was my first with, with Yahoo Sports. And I can't tell you how... Um, awesome it is to be here because it's just such a great place right now to to have a lot of creative freedom from a content perspective and you know I don't know how to tell the whole story so quickly in terms of how I got here but I think from from the from a grand view perspective like the key to the key to success I think or the, the key to trying to find some success in this industry is I always say that you know the great part about the fantasy community is that they're is so much there's so much room in the house you know it's easy to get into the house because so many sites are creating content so many people are willing to consume content especially free content if you can give it out oh yes um especially with you know the subscription model becoming more and more of a focus across the industry if you can give out free content people are are in on that um so obviously big revelatory statement there for that <laughs> Harmon. um but you know i think it's easy to get into the house but in order to get like a seat at the table, um, which is what I, you know, what I think I have, a seat at the table, a full-time job. That this is all I do is talk about football all day, which is ridiculous. But <laughs> yeah, that that exists. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that that's a thing. Like as long as as long as the universe is willing to let that be a thing, I plan on keeping that seat at the table. There so, you go. <laughs> but the key to that is is really standing out. It's bringing something different to the table. And for me, that was reception perception, which I'm so thrilled continues to be a big part of not just my personal brand, but the industry in general. And, uh, you know, that's a big credit to the fantasy footballers for kind of boosting that up, it would be making it a part of their draft kit and making it an even better series than it ever could have been on my own. So I'm just excited to see, like, kind of where that continues to go, and, and I'm appreciative of the audience that that that, that has. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you talked about the audience there. Um, it's wild. I mean, you mentioned the name wide receiver in fantasy football, and your name comes to mind for, I think – I, I mean, almost everyone, honestly. Uh, so it is a testament to the hard work you put in. We're super excited to have you on to talk about that content. Uh, but we're not going to pigeonhole you into only talking about reception perception because <laughs> I got to ask, do you ever get tired of, of people asking you about it? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah honestly, I mean, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, especially right now, this time of year, you know, I'm getting invited on a lot of podcasts. I'm doing my own podcast here and it's like, you know, I've been cranking on these reception perception takes since probably 
I mean, I, I really start right after the season ends in terms of charting all the players out and everything. So some of these guys, you know, I've known that I've liked for a long time, but it's like now obviously is the ramp up to the season. This is when people really want to know. So, yeah, I mean, right now I'm answering a lot of questions about Curtis Samuel. I'm answering a lot of questions about Christian Kirk, you know, the same guys. It's like, just let me wind up the takes machine here and, and file them out. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to be able to kind of look football analysis in general is very cyclical. Uh, especially during the season, it's kind of the same blueprint every single week. So when you can get outside of that and talk about some different things, it's always good. Um, and even within actually analyzing football, even within actually analyzing the receiver position, it's always nice to get out and, and kind of stretch your legs a little bit. So I appreciate that on your part, fellas. Yes, absolutely. And with that, Okada, let's scratch the show doc. We are not doing any reception perception tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do have to talk a little bit about it. So I'm looking forward to talking about that and some of your other content, uh, Harmon. So we'll get into that here shortly. Before we do, just want to let everyone know we are on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook, all the social media platforms at RedshirtsFFPod. Come hang out with us there. All right, Okada, let's get over into the news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh got news. Hey, news. Got news. Yes. news, 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 Okay, so Golden Tate is is not going to be out there for four games. We'll see. He he got a four game suspension uh, for violating the substance abuse policy for the NFL. He is appealing, though. However, so this is a, a situation we'll wait and see. But as of now, let's treat this situation as if it is a four game suspension. Um, we've got Sterling Shepard dealing with the broken thumb. There's question marks all over the board uh, at quarterback. Okada, let's kick it over to you. What does this do for you in terms of your outlook for the Giants as a whole and then as well for Golden Tate? Is he even draftable anymore in your fantasy football draft? Yes, he's barely draftable. Well, he's not barely draftable. He's draftable really late. Um what it mainly does for me is give me a little bit more interest in Evan Ingram for those first four weeks because I think uh, I I have him already or had him already pretty uh, – I was bullish on him, I guess, relative to the rest of where I was before the season and relative to the rest of the industry. I ended up actually oh, – this is a sneak peek, but we recorded our first projections divisional previews yesterday and – the NFC East is one of them, and we talked about Evan Ingram, and I ended up bumping him above Zach Ertz for a number three tight end. This is part of that. Um, it, it just means he'll get a few more targets in that span, and maybe there's a little bit less uh, time for Tate to kind of gel with the quarterbacks there, whichever one it is. Uh, I will say, I don't know if you guys read his statement, but I think mm. it was the most believable and interestingly positive statements that I've read for something like this, I think there's a chance he maybe actually gets it reduced or removed potentially. Yeah. I mean, there, there has been a report that it basically it's saying, you know, he has a chance to, to win this appeal. So uh, we'll see what happens. It could get knocked down. Uh, it could go away completely. And obviously that would change things. And if, and when that happens, uh, we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, next piece of news. Let's get into here. Theoretic was released from the lions. I think a lot of people were projecting this to happen. It finally did. So he is gone. Um, I want to shift our focus to carry on Johnson because I think that's really where this news goes. Uh, Theoretic could probably find a pass catching role and, and probably will honestly uh, with another team. But until that happens, let's focus on what this does for the Lions backfield. Uh, Harmon, 
What are your thoughts here on Carryon Johnson as a whole, as a player and as a prospect? Um, and what do you think this does for his value? Do you see a bump in the passing game for him? Yeah, I think this is huge. Um, it was, but to be fair, it's huge. But it was something that I was actually expecting to happen later on in the summer. Like I didn't think Theo Riddick was going to be on the Week One roster, but seeing it happen now, it just brings that early clarity to the equation. So that yeah, now in best ball drafts, I can give Carryon Johnson that deserved bump that I expected to give him for redraft leagues in in August and everything like that. Yeah, I think this is big because look. Theoretic at this point in his career doesn't really add anything to his touches, but he is like that classic coach's catnip. You know, when if you want a passing down back, Theoretic will catch the ball. He'll probably not go anywhere once he catches it, but he's going <laughs> to catch the ball. He's going to be where he needs to be, all that. Um, I think this is pretty big for Carrion Johnson, who really, like, if he can secure a feature back workload, He's in the right offense for it. You know, they want to run the ball. They've said they want to be a run first team. I believe them, um, even if I don't think that's the right course of action, you know, kind of remove that from the equation. Um, I wrote in uh, the series that I'm writing right now for Yahoo, um, uh, my drum beats notebook, where I'm looking at kind of these offseason guys who, you know, you don't, you don't draft a damn player based on one Roto World blurb, right? right. You want to see a, a steady increase of, uh, you know, the drum beat on the player, the hype gaining on them. And you want to see that continue through training camp and kind of crescendo in preseason games. But you want to be able to track that through the offseason. I think Carryon Johnson, rather quietly, has had a steadying drum beat. And then I wrote it that, that like, theoretic getting cut would be a huge jump. And then that happened, like, later that day. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big you one for him. He I mean, I don't know. Well, like I said, it was easy to see coming. So, like, don't give me any credit for that. But uh, I didn't didn't think it was going to happen like that afternoon and afternoon after we hit publish. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I think that this is pretty big for Johnson, who becomes a guy that I'm much more interested in in round three now than I probably would have been um, if Riddick was still around. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Okada and I are definitely with you on that. We're big Carry On Johnson supporters here on this podcast. Um, I think it takes one less question mark. Uh, for carry on Johnson now if you're buying into him you at least have a little bit more confidence there in the passing game uh, next piece of news let's get over to the Eagles running back situation and re- reportedly Jordan Howard is dominating uh, air quotes there dominating first team reps so far in practice is this news do we care does it change anything Okada give me your take um honestly and this is something we we talked about also we're just really diving into the NFC East here this is a problem bet oh love this division. Uh, on the divisional breakdown, but I this doesn't surprise me. I think that Jordan Howard is going to get a lot of carries for this offense. And I think I don't think he necessarily will dominate first and second down rushing like he's dominating first team reps per se, but I think that there's a very good chance that he splits and potentially gets the higher percentage of those first and second down carries. For this offense, obviously, he'll be completely useless on third down because Miles Sanders is better on third down than he will be, and they brought Darren Sproles back. So this isn't really good for anyone. I mean, maybe Jordan Howard ends up being a value, but I think that his ADP will probably just rise and make almost everyone in this backfield less valuable. I can see a scenario, honestly, where Jordan Howard leads this backfield in fantasy points come season's end. But I don't know how it happens, meaning you're not going to know when to play him. You're not going to know when he'll fall in the end zone because like last season with the Bears, I mean, quietly, he was he was decent for fantasy. It's just a matter of 
when those points come. Um, I don't necessarily think this is, is too much news because um, I think they're going to slow play Sanders. Uh, I do think Howard is going to get work. I mean, he's been in the top, what is it, five in, in rushing yards in the last three years. So uh, the guy has been effective. He will get work there in Philly. All right, next piece of news. Let's get over to uh, Carolina, where the offensive coordinator, North Turner, has been talking up Curtis Samuel. Harmon, take it away. <laughs> yes, uh, already we're talking uh, one of my favorite players this year, and that is one Curtis Samuel. Um, yeah, look, the, the proof is on on film, too. You don't need to take Norv's word for it. So, which, you know, sure, Norv, Norv does know a, a thing or two about uh, wide receivers. He knows some <laughs> things. Um, but, you know, look, Curtis Samuel last year in 2018 in reception perception was an – incredibly efficient route runner in reception perception. He finished at the 94th percentile in terms of success rate versus man coverage. He finished at the 79th percentile in terms of defeating press coverage. So he is a guy who was out there playing as an outside receiver was thriving. He was you know, kind of crushing it opportunity wise out there in terms of snap shares and everything like that. I mean, he, he was very much promoted and it was clear from the end of last year that him and DJ Moore were going to be the future of this wide receiver core. You know, they phased out Devin Funches completely. And right now the gap, I mean, the gap between Moore and Samuel's ADP is closing, but it has never really quite made sense because yeah, Moore is the more well-known prospect. I think Samuel kind of fell off the grid because he got hurt as a rookie. People, some people still don't really understand what a quality route runner he is because he was like a hybrid player coming out of college. But I do not believe that it is a hot take at all to say that he shows flashes as a separator and as a route runner to early career Stefan Diggs. And I think they actually have a great one-two punch there with Moore and Samuel. And because Samuel's so cheap, and I believe from a team-building perspective, what he brings at his peak is more valuable than what DJ Moore brings at his peak, which is – you know, the ability to separate across the field, the ability to win off the line of scrimmage as a route runner. I mean, that just that's why I think, you know, Antonio Brown is is doing a completely different and more va- valuable role than what Juju Smith-Schuster is doing for the Steelers, you know, back when they were playing together. That's why I think Diggs, what he brings, is more valuable than what Adam Thielen brings. You know, all of these guys, like, if you can win on the outside versus top cornerbacks, you know, that's why you're out there. You're not moving inside to the and, and being a – zone beater that wins after the catch. So from a team building perspective, yeah, I think Curtis Samuel's a huge piece for the Carolina Panthers. And I think right now I'm just really bullish on this whole offense. So to take him as like a mid 30 wide receiver, is totally cool with me. He's my favorite non Chris Godwin breakout receiver this year. Yeah. And I think that that is ringing true uh, in the industry. I recently tried to make a trade for Curtis Samuel in one of my dynasty leagues. And he said, Dude, have you seen Curtis Samuel's reception perception? Uh, no way. And so, Harmon, thank you for your great work. But come on, dude. Keep these guys quiet. But here's, here's the thing, though. Like, and he's Curtis Samuel is the perfect example of a guy. Like, It doesn't even – like, if I never said a damn thing about Curtis Samuel, it wouldn't matter because there's so much positivity in his outlook right now. You know, somebody basically said, t- tweeted me this morning, like, I don't get the Curtis Samuel hype. I'm like – what is there not to get? Like, <laughs> number one, I mean, yeah, he, he's clearly good. And I can tell you that. Norv can tell you that. Anybody who's watched him play can tell you that. Number And just look, I mean, you know, look at from the, a statistical perspective, he made big plays last year. At one point, he was like, had an absurd, you know, touchdowns per touch 
you know, no, you can he can win as an open field runner. He can win as a route runner. You can see all that. He's clearly good. Number two, this offense is more talented than I think it's ever been since Cam Newton's been the quarterback. Cam Newton has had nothing but positive news coming out of his offseason shoulder cleanup. You know, he's out there throwing. There's no concerns like there was with, like, Andrew Luck or even Cam Newton a couple of years ago. We're not in a bad spot there. The pass protection is better. I mean, this offense is loaded with talent. And, yeah, there's some minor – I mean, sure, maybe he's not going to push for, like, 120 targets. Who cares? You're not paying for 120 targets. At his cost right now, there's literally nothing not to like. And the Panthers have been – you know, this is not some, like, camp dreg that they're that people are hyping up. This is a second-round pick that has had injury issues in the past – is healthy now, and when he's been on the field, he's produced, and the team has been completely behind him. Look at their, like, stupid Instagram account. There's just pictures <laughs> of, like, DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel, like, hugging each other the entire time. I've been seeing it all summer. The team is hyping these this player up. It's 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 happening, folks. Get used to it. Buckle up. It is happening. As confirmed by Instagram. Hard-hitting analysis <laughs> here from Harmon. Love it. Um, let's go ahead and actually kick it over to a little bit of injury news, Okada. All right, Bet. So the, the number one thing we have to cover here, unfortunately, is AJ Green. With an ankle injury, the initial kind of reports are a little bit different, maybe, than what's coming out now. So just kind of give us. And by the way, if you are not following Bets on Twitter or Red Shirts Pod, you should, because he had a really cool video breakdown with a skeleton. And you should go watch it. I can't explain it. Just watch it. But for the listeners who who don't have Twitter, I guess, give us the quick rundown of what you see going on here and where we should expect him to be back. Yeah, I am going to be nerding out all season. I just got this cool app. Uh, you can take muscles on and off the body, bones, ligaments. So I'm going to be explaining these injuries in a lot more detail with visuals uh, provided to you all. So like Okada said, check that out uh, on our social media accounts. But in terms of AJ Green, uh, he has some torn ligaments in his ankle. Uh, the injury was consistent with a high ankle sprain mechanism of injury. So defender rolling up on the outside of his ankle, causing it to kind of turn in the opposite direction of, of where it should. Um we knew it was serious because based off all the reports of him being in a boot on crutches, um, throwing things at practice. I mean, when you know you're injured, you know, you're injured. And the issue here is that everything is being reported right now as a six to eight week recovery timeline. And while that may be true in terms of him getting back out on the, uh, onto the field, he's not going to be himself for at least 12 weeks. So, uh, this is huge for AJ green because everyone was very excited about him as a bounce back player this season. But, um, he's off my draft board, unfortunately, because we know he's not going to be ready for week one. And when he does, let's not forget, now he has a risk of re-injury for the ankle and the toe on the opposite foot. So uh, unfortunately, it's, it's tough to say, but I don't see much success for A.J. Green uh, in 2019. And, and I was hopeful that he would get back out there. All right, Harmon. So this, this brings up the major question everybody's asking, which is, can Tyler Boyd be the wide receiver one? Because... If you look at the numbers last year in small sample sizes, he was actually better with A.J. Green on the field. Now the question people want to know, with him taking the top corner, is he going to end up being worse than he even would have been with A.J.? We know he'll get a few more targets, but can he handle them? Yeah, this goes back to what we were just kind of talking about with like a Curtis Samuel, D.J. Moore, or a you know Antonio Brown, Juju. Like That's what these two, these, these two are very similar to that. A.J. Green is an outside-the-numbers vertical wide receiver one that I think 
makes you have you can run a passing game through a player like that. I don't really know if you can run an efficient passing game through a slot receiver like Tyler Boyd is. I mean, we've seen teams try to do it. Think back to like the Chip Kelly Eagles with Jordan Matthews. That didn't work. Think about like those awful Miami offenses with Jarvis Landry trying to run through him. That didn't work. You know, when the Packers would lose Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb as the wide receiver one, those were bad offenses. Um, certain situations, like I think Seattle with Doug Baldwin is really the one offense that I think has run through a slot receiver that has been very efficient. Because even look, if you look at like the Patriots, their best passing years are when they have a Randy Moss, when they have a Rob Gronkowski. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. I think that's actually an interesting question to talk about too. But like for this offense, yeah, it, it makes complete sense why a wide receiver like Tyler Boyd is better with a number one wide receiver like an AJ Green. Frankly, t- like to be honest with you, with there's been nothing but bad news coming out of Cincinnati that um, I'm kind of in on uh, Andy Barron's, my colleague here at Yahoo, is basically saying, like, I, I, it might be just a hashtag never Bengals year, and I think that might be <laughs> just the way to go. Like, I liked Boyd at his cost when Green was there, um, but now I feel like that there's probably going to be other players available at his draft position that I'm just going to want to take over him. All right. Fair enough. Uh a couple more quick injury things to touch on. None of them quite as serious as AJ Green's, at least as far as we know. But Derrick Henry was spotted in a walking boot after leaving practice. Betts, is this something you expect to linger into the season? And what is it even? Do you know? Honestly, I don't because the Titans are a team last year and moving forward that are going to be uh, as quiet as they can about their injuries. So honestly, I have no idea what's going on with Derrick Henry. The team right now is saying that they're not too concerned about it and it's not really serious. It's more precautionary. So we're kind of in wait and see mode for him. Um, He has missed the last two days of practice after the injury. So uh, just kind of wait and see what happens there with practice reports. If we get any more details, we will be sure. Uh, to let you all know. Harmon, Henry is one of the more polarizing guys in kind of the entire league right now. I'm curious from a fantasy perspective, are you in or out? I don't know why he'd be polarizing. I love I love him. I I think I and I'm a little a little biased here because I I love Derrick Henry as a player. Also, he's like legitimately the nicest player I've ever interviewed. So shout <laughs> out to De- so shout out to Derrick Henry for that. <laughs> yeah, despite the fact that he's like a jacked beast. Yes. Um. Yeah. He's like legit. He's the only player that has ever completely unvoluntarily given me just like not even like a bro hug like an actual hug and i was like wow this is really you're you're an actual gem how many bones did you break uh no my biggest concern because i'm a pretty tall guy i mean so we're close we're pretty close to like the same height but um i came you know came around the back and like knocked in hit into his like ponytail thing oh my my god oh my god please don't don't like (laughs) Like you know, I know I didn't want to offend the man. Number one, also I don't know if that's like the source of his power is whatever mm. he's got going on back there. So, anyways, but on the field, I mean, for one, Derrick Henry is a good. I mean, he's a good football player, but like he's in a perfect situation. His team wants to run the ball. I think he's got enough juice in the passing game to be, you know, a viable player there. Not like a total Jordan Howard type dud in the pass game. I mean, even Howard last year got um, got involved in the pass game, even if he's too predictable. I think you can work Henry in ways that makes the offense less predictable. But I, I when I was doing my projections, I projected the Titans to have the fewest pass attempts in the NFL. So I think that they are going to be a run-first team. And I think they have the defense and the offensive line to accomplish it, even if Taylor Lewin's going to be out for a little bit of time. So, I, I mean, I think everything points up for Henry. Uh, he's a guy I love to take as like a running back, too. I like to hear it. I know Betts doesn't like to hear it quite as much, but that's fine. Sorry, Betts. 
A uh, couple more quick things. Jameson Crowder had a left ankle injury, which potentially could mean things for Quincy and Nunwa. Bet is this going to last? Uh, it could. It could last recurring throughout the year. So he missed seven games last year because of an ankle injury, and that's why I put it on the dock. I think it's important to bring up because um, we know injury risk is, is quite high with these recurring ankle sprains, and there's a good chance that he suffers another one later in the season at some point. So uh, that Jets wide receiver room might look a little bit more clear with those two guys at the top in Anunwa and Anderson as the season goes on. Harmon, are you at all interested in Anunwa? I used to be a big fan, and then he's, he suffered a big injury last year. We haven't seen him for a while, but where do you stand on Anunwa? I like the way he started the season off, and I mean, I, I frankly, I thought this Jamison Crowder signing was a little peculiar because I thought Anunwa, you know, you go ahead and extend him. I mean, look, the the Jets front office clearly wasn't a lot, is in some flux, but you go ahead and extend Quincy Anunwa. He's clearly a better big slot receiver than he is an outside receiver. Why would you then go pay a guy who can only play in the slot? I thought it was a peculiar signing. Plus, as you mentioned, he has an injury history. Oh, look, he's injured again. And from a fantasy perspective, I'm just never, ever going to be interested in a low-volume slot receiver guy. So for me, Crowder was like a do-not-draft anyways. Didn't care really how cheap he was. But Anunwa, I think, is much more intriguing he sh- when he was healthy last year, he showed pretty good rapport with Sam Darnold. So, yeah, actually, he's a guy that I think you can bookmark as a super deep sleeper um, in this pass game right now. Cool. I'm on board with that. And then last thing, Damien Williams has a little bit of a hamstring tweak, apparently. We don't like to see hamstrings. The word itself is just disgusting to me. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, That's a really it re- good point. it's really not great. Like, strings of ham? I don't know. <laughs> oh, All right? Off-putting. Actually, that, that is really great. That's a, gr- I, it's a great point. That's going to be the most insightful thing that we take away from this podcast. Is like, Probably. Maybe we should have we come away with a better name for, for hamstrings yeah. than, like, literal hamstrings like i because I, I heard my girlfriend said that yesterday like i'm just gonna stretch you out my hamstrings i'm like oh yeah like what <laughs> <Yeah>. a gross <laughs> what i'm saying keep that to yourself glad we're on the same page there uh but bet as far as damian williams goes is this going to be a concern is it going to potentially open the door for the carlos hyde to take the job or to take a larger role or can we expect damian to come back fine I mean, I think you have to factor it in. Like, sure, Carlos Hyde's going to probably get a little bit more work over the next three to four days, uh, but the team is not concerned about Damian Williams. I think they'll hold him out for a little while because you want to be conservative with these uh, injuries, which we will not name, um, because the recurrence rate is so high. So there's a chance that this becomes a recurring theme if they rush him back too soon, as we have seen with so many other players. So I think they're smart. I think they hold him out for a little while. But let him get back out there when he's right and when uh, the time is right for his injury. So I'm not too concerned about this until we see uh, other developments here in the future. All right. Sounds good. Before we jump into some rookie orientation talk, which is another one of Harmon's big things, we're going to quickly shout out one of our sponsors of Fantasy Footballers and their Ultimate Draft Kit, which we are partnered with again this year. And you know what you can find in the Ultimate Draft Kit, of course, is Matt Harmon's reception perception. So it just seemed fitting that we would shout <laughs> these guys out. Go check it out. Uh, it's the greatest draft kit there is. If if nothing else, you get the reception perception, and it's just so beautiful to look at that it is fully worth it. So redshirtsudk.com, uh, use code, code redshirts, and you get 10% off. 
Uh, there's there is much more than the reception perception in there, but trust me, that's going to be the first place you want to go. It's great stuff. Uh, so check all that out. All right, bets, take it over and and let's get into this some of this rookie stuff. Yeah, let's do it, man. So Okada kind of teased it there for a little bit, uh, but Harmon, you've got a, a new podcast this year. Uh, it's called Rookie Orientation, and we want to talk about some of those rookies because. You know, obviously around the NFL draft and uh, in dynasty startups and rookie drafts, I mean, they're they're all we talk about. But now that things have kind of died down and we're getting into more of a redraft focus, these rookies kind of are, are on the back burner again for, I think, a lot of people. Uh, so let's bring them back to the, the fore focus here of, of what we're going to talk about for a little bit. Um, let's first talk about for a minute. Can you just give our listeners an idea of what that podcast entails? So I mentioned earlier up at the top, like the important thing to getting you know, noticed in the industry at this point, because there's so many voices is to stand out. Um, I hate to say this on a podcast, but there's no realm more true than podcast. You know, there's thousands and thousands of sports podcasts than a bunch of fantasy podcasts. I mean, there's a ton of people out there talking. So, you know, when I wanted to kind of start a mini series at Yahoo, I wanted to do something a little bit different because, you know, we have, I mean, Another another podcast. Uh, we have you know the fantasy podcast with me and Liz, where it's you know the two of us BSing about football and, and having a good conversation, good banter, like we are doing on this show right now. But with rookie orientation, you know, I thought to myself, no one is really doing sort of like docu series type um, podcasts in like player analysis, right? Like sort of an NPR style podcast where it's just the audio spiced together. You know, there's a little bit of music, kind of telling the story of who the player is from both sometimes off but mostly on-field perspective. So that's basically what I'd been working on all summer was kind of coming up with questions, talking to some of the best draft analysts in the business, and really being able to tell kind of the full story of who this player was from a prospect perspective. And, yeah, it was, it's was it been a lot of fun. We're kind of starting to wind down here as the season wraps up. We just released an episode today on Dwayne Haskins. Great guests there. I think, really, I mean, I would love it if people would check it out because – we put a lot of work into this and it's actually something – look, when you do this for a living, you know, you get into that cycle, right? And and like things just start to kind of get repetitive. But this is something different that, you know, Yahoo gave me a great chance to work on. I'm actually really proud of the product. So, yeah, I would love it if people would check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Go and do that. Um, I had a very unfortunate, fortunate morning. And what I mean by that is I was stuck in traffic for 40 minutes. Uh, and so it allowed me to listen to two additional podcasts on my way to work, two of which were the Rookie Orientation episodes because I wanted to make sure uh, I was well prepared to talk to Mr. Harmon tonight. So, um, Harmon, let's just pick two of these four guys that we have listed here on our doc. And if you don't mind, could I pick one for you? Yes, you may. Based off what I, I listened to today. Can we talk about DK Metcalf? Because Ooh. I loved that one. And obviously, wide receivers, hashtag brand for you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about DK Metcalf. A, I want to know, uh, what was your conversation with him like? Because uh, based off of what I listened to on the podcast, he seems like a genuinely good dude that's ready to work hard is the the kind of take-home that I got. And then two, what do you see happening for Metcalf this season, and what's your thoughts on him in Dynasty? Yeah, that was that's a cool part of the series too. For not all of the episodes, but for some of them, we we actually got to sit down and talk to the players. DK Metcalf was one of them. Um, I talked to him the day before the first round of the NFL draft, and my takeaway, as you know, I saw him come off the board um, to the Seahawks. You know, having just talked to him the day before, and you know, everybody remembers 
you know, I say this in the episode, there's a couple of moments where I think DK Metcalf was the defining story of the NFL draft. First moment being the 40-yard dash, of course. Like you all remember, it was like the shot heard around the world, you know, on yep. football Twitter. And then uh, the second, though, was that video of him really getting emotional, you know, saying why did it take these guys so long and all that. And like I remember watching that and like I'm actually getting a little bit of goosebumps thinking about it because I remember thinking like, man – this is not a guy who thought he this was going to happen to him. Like, you, you're right. Totally good, like, nice guy. Really pleasant to talk to. Like, kind of – and, and to be fair, like, and you hear this a lot in the episode, I, I asked him a lot about some of the criticism that he gets. And I thought he was really cool to talk about that and, you know, kind of dive into some technique stuff a little bit here and there. But also just really – I mean, you know, he was really – he was ready to compare himself to Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones from an on-field <laughs> perspective. So not a guy lacking for any confidence. Clearly a guy that believes in that physical ability. Um, you know, total narrative street, total hokey business here. But look, I think after having that conversation with him and thinking like – Man, this guy was so confident, did not expect something like this to happen. I could really see this being something that really motivates him to want to push it, want to take it to the next level. And maybe it doesn't work out because he just can't change direction or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that – and I told him this. I, I think that, look, if there's a coach – if a coach can't find something to do with you, you know, maybe he never becomes a 1,400-yard receiver like Julio Jones or something like that. I'm, I'm going to probably say no. But uh, I think if a coach can't find a role for an athletic freak, a playmaker like that, then like maybe they shouldn't be coaching. You know, I think there's something. There are ways you can scheme around some of the, the clear deficiencies in DK Metcalf's game. So for this year, I think he has a chance to to get a lot of opportunity. But going forward, I mean, he's just and I think he ends up falling to a perfect spot there with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's the big thing is that. What Russ does well matches well with what uh, DK Metcalf can do. So I think that is huge for him going forward. Yeah, I think that that pairing there makes a lot of sense. And Okada, maybe you're going to jump in and talk about it. So if you are, go ahead. Uh, I think that that deep ball from Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf is going to produce success not only on the NFL field, but for your fantasy roster as well, um, certainly in the future. Yeah, we, we've touched on that a little bit before. This is this is kind of the perfect landing spot, in my opinion, for Metcalf, so I really like that. I was going to ask Harmon, though, y- you kind of mentioned you don't necessarily see him getting to the Julio range, but what do you think is his ceiling? Because I think everyone knows his floor is very low if things just go poorly, if he does, you know, kind of nuance his game up a little bit, where could he end up ceiling-wise? Well, look, I think a really comparable situation, like, not that these are the same players, but think about, like, Mike Williams with the Chargers. Um, I think Mike Williams has clearly defined weaknesses. He is never going to be an elite separator, you know, just from, honestly, kind of in similar ways to DK Metcalf, which makes like their draft positions look all the more peculiar. But Mike Williams, despite the fact that so many draft analysts were, you know, were, were harping on, you know, production issues, um, on tape issues, um, you know, even in reception perception, he was not an elite separator from a collegiate prospect perspective, but he has clearly defined strengths too. Uh, he can get vertical, not because he's fast, but because he's just a big long strider. You know, he can uh, win contested passes. He can win off the line of scrimmage because of his strength. And I think DK Metcalf can do very similar things. And Mike Williams, again, 
is that is that the ceiling? You know, a guy that's going to be a 700-yard type player but can create big plays in high-leverage situations? For, for a guy that you pick at the end of the second round, that's pretty huge. So I, I think that's a pretty similar situation to what we just saw last year. And, like, people might expect another leap from Mike Williams, and we'll see whether that happens this year. But, yeah, I think from a ceiling perspective, you're looking at Metcalf as a guy who is not a number one receiver, but um, – I think in an, and then like a super ideal comparison. I say this on the podcast too. I think he could be Des Bryant in an absolute peak situation. Ooh. I mean, because because here's the thing with Des Bryant, like not a he was not at all a technician. You know, Mm-mm. he was not like the second the athleticism faded away, Des was literally done. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like a, you blinked and it was over. Yeah, completely out of the league. Like no one's no like he took what till like week ten did he get signed yeah. by the Saints? Like it, you know, yeah, it was just it was over because he couldn't separate from anyone. But what made De- but Dez was an elite separator when he was you know in reception perception he was great. Like he was not just a jump ball receiver because he was a freak athlete. And I think DK Metcalf is a freak athlete in that way. And Dez was really successful on a small handful of routes. I think that DK could be like a poor man's version of that in a peak situation. Yeah. Interesting stuff. You know, the, the ceiling there for that guy with Russell Wilson is, uh, is awesome. And it was good to kind of get a behind the, behind the scenes look at, you know, his profile and kind of what he was feeling on draft day. So that was one of my favorite ones. Uh, Harmon, let's kick it back to you. Pick one of your next three on this list that you want to talk about. So your choice. I really liked Josh Jacobs, uh, that producing that episode because frankly, like going into this or going into that episode, I was kind of like, I don't really know how I feel about Josh Jacobs, you know, uh, um, from a fantasy prospect this year, because, you know, he had such a limited workload, a limited resume in college, like a total outlier. Um, I think we did a good job telling the story of why he is a potential outlier from a data perspective. You know, we had a, a data analyst like JJ Zacharyson that I really respect um, come on and talk about why he's very unusual from a first round running back perspective. Then we had Charles McDonald who, who actually sat down with Josh Jacobs and had a really good conversation about him learning how to become a great receiver from a guy like Julio Jones, which was a pretty cool insight. You know, we have Matt Waldman and Daniel Jeremiah, like two guys I respect really breaking down film um Eli Gold uh, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide comes on and talks about you know some of his backstory and I think like after that episode I really found myself thinking like yeah I could see why this guy really is just different from other first round running backs that have this level of workload which we just haven't seen very often and you know everybody kept bringing it back to this during the press conference portion which if you listen to the show you, you know what that's all about yep um you know this is an offense that wants to run through a feature back in, in John Gruden. I'm excited to see what Josh Jacobs does. And like, I just don't think there's much viable competition for him on that roster. And, you know, I, I really could see if this offense takes a step forward and I expect it to with Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams there now, um, you know, they got a lot of room to step forward. So if they take a step forward. I think jo- that really benefits Josh Jacobs as well. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It does. And um, I think the thing that gets everyone so excited about when you talk about Jacobs in fantasy is that depth chart because, uh, as Okada would say, it is uh, is not good, not uh, good. behind him. <laughs> so, yeah, the opportunity is going to be there. Uh, I'm excited for Hard Knocks. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. oh. buckle up. Next week. 
Did you guys see the uh, video on Twitter of John Gruden in when he was like, I don't know, it's been 40 years ago, talking to, uh, I think, Dante Culpepper, maybe? Randy, Randall Cunningham. Ra- yes, Randall Cunningham. With that, that visor? That was good stuff. Yes. Dude, so the good. Vi- the backwards visor is a look. Oh, it is I don't a know liar. if it's a good look, but it's a look. <laughs> Hard Knocks is going to be great. Also, I will say, Josh Jacobs is one of the guys who I think that I went into my projections the lowest on compared to where I ended up afterwards. And I think it's it speaks to what Harmon was talking about with just the fact that this offense is going to get better, the fact that the opportunity is there and there's not much competition. And when you really project it out, he ends up being a mid-range RB2 for me ahead of even Le'Veon Bell, which for me doesn't oh, mean wow. that much because I hate Le'Veon Bell. Oh, wow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not We don't a have fan. time Let's for this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's bad, Harmon. But but yeah, I'm I'm in on Josh Jacobs. So I just pulled up the the ADP right now for twelve team half PPR leagues. Let's play a little name game between the three of us. Uh, Harmon, let's go to you. Jacobs or Carry On Johnson? They're going right back to back. Oh, carry uh, Carry On Johnson. Okada. Yeah, it's Carry On, especially with the Riddick news. Yeah, same for me. Uh, how about David Montgomery? He's going right behind Josh Jacobs, fellow rookie. Jacobs. It's Jacobs, and that's an interesting one because going into my projections, I would have said Montgomery, but it's Jacobs by a good amount. All right, last one. Derek Henry, who you both love. Ooh. Derek Henry. I'm going to go Derek Henry over him. Um, but it's it's closer than it probably would have been, obviously, before the injury news. So I'm assuming yeah. I'm assuming Derek Henry's fine for the season, whatever. I'm still I think the I think the touchdown ceiling for Henry is massive, and I don't see that as much for Jacobs. This is the closest one for me. I'm just going to assume we're talking half PPR here. And I'm going to give the edge to Henry. But if it drops to full PPR, I think Jacobs might jump him. Yeah. I think, I mean, Okada, you've heard me talk about Derrick Henry. I've just been, I can't I can't keep doing this, but I've just been burned so many I times. Know. So many sleepless nights <laughs> in fantasy. So I'm going Jacobs on that one, uh, if for no other reason. All right, guys, let's kick it over to some wide receiver sleepers uh, that we are excited to maybe bring to light here uh, a little bit. We are running a little short on time, but that's fine. Uh, We've talked about a lot of good information so far. So, Akad, I'll tell you what. You and I will just pick one sleeper that we want to bring up, and then Harmon will kick it to you for two. So, since Mm. Harmon, since you've got two guys on your list, uh, we'll kick it to you first to start, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with you. Who was your first sleeper at the wide receiver position in 2019? Well, guys, you'll never believe this, but I'm back in on John Brown. Yes, oh, <laughs> let's go, let's go. Longtime favorite, you know he was. He's look anytime that he has been healthy in reception perception, he's finished above the 90th percentile in success rate versus man coverage. Clearly, a good player was on pace for a thousand yards last year before they remade the offense under Lamar Jackson for for I think you know necessary reasons. Now. In Buffalo, it, you talk about drum beats. The drum beat is building for John Brown as the clear training camp standout, the clear number one receiver. You know, people were asking questions coming into training camp. Hey, Harmon, is it John Brown or is it Robert Foster? And I'm like, look, I like what I saw out of Foster last year, but I'm going to default to Brown because I think he's got the better pedigree. They paid him, etc. You know, Robert Foster's not even running with the first team. Maybe he will at some point, but Brown's been the clear number one guy. And you're looking at him against, you know, Dawson Knox as a rookie tight end. You're looking at him against Cole Beasley. Ugh. Uh, Zay Jones. Nah. Like, yeah, I think Brown has a chance to dominate volume here. And, look, it's not going to be a consistent output because I don't think 
Josh Allen is a consistent quarterback, but when I look at like late round receivers, a guy who could clearly outkick his ADP as the lead receiver on his team, I think John Brown stands out like a you know a sore thumb right now. All right, so uh, here's my one interesting question on this because I do have him leading their wide receiving core, but I don't have the upside being very high right now just because I expect that to be such a attempting at least run first offense. In an ideal world, Harmon, how high do you think he could get on the target count? Because we know that on a per-target basis, he can be extremely good. So even with a relatively small target count, he could potentially be useful for fantasy. But I'm curious how high you think that could get. Because if he gets high enough, it could actually make him really good. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think you're looking... I have him leading the team in targets, too, with like 88. You know, and again, he's not going to be catching a ton of those because they're going to be vertical targets. He's never, and because of that, in his quarterback, it's not like the catch rate's going to be astronomical. So, um, I I agree with you that I mean, look, there's a reason like no Bills are going in like the first what eight rounds of fantasy drafts right At now. Like, least, Lash- yeah, like Lashawn McCoy goes in the ninth round because some sap, usually me, is like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> I haven't taken enough running backs yet. He's going to get the ball, right? Maybe he'll get traded. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, like that's the only reason he goes in the ninth round. There's not a lot of opportunity. There's not a lot of um, hope for this offense from a pass game perspective. So I really don't think there's a – I don't think there's a great ceiling for John Brown on a season-long perspective, but you know the weekly ceiling is there. Like for best ball, he's just – I mean, 13th round pick, he's, an, he's a home run. So, yeah, yeah I, I think by and large there's not a great ceiling here, but – um, I think the right now the outlook is very good from just a 30,000 view, uh, foot view perspective. Yeah, you're not going to get any pushback from myself or Okada. We were you were just breaking down the bills in our projections. We have him as our, our number one there. Um, love the talent. And just speaking to last year, weeks one through nine before Lamar Jackson took over, he was wide receiver 20 in half PPR. Better than Jarvis Landry, better than Keenan Allen, better than Tyler Lockett better than Kenny Galladay so I mean that was with Joe Flacco if he can if he can you know do what he did last year or even a portion of that he's gonna return value on the investment Uh, like you said dirt cheap I I love him this year as well so love his price even more Okada let's kick it over to you for your wide receiver sleeper yeah so I wanted to talk about Josh Gordon Uh, of course you did because he's my guy yeah but, I mean, just suffice it to say, if by some miracle he gets allowed to play football, he will be extremely draftable and valuable. But I'm going to bring up Terry McLaurin. And I think what you're seeing so far, at least, is a proclivity between Harmon and I to just look for the number one guy on on bad <laughs> offenses who are therefore not drafted high. Because there's a very, very good chance at this point that Terry McLaurin is the most valuable fantasy receiver in the Washington Redskins offense. And that doesn't that that doesn't mean much. It's really not great. But we've seen from training camp already, and we knew even coming out of the second that they were both drafted, that Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin might have a connection because they both went to Ohio State. And we're seeing that already. Now, I don't know how much of the season Haskins will even start, so that throws a wrench into the whole idea of of that connection being good. But Terry McLaurin also is a good prospect. I liked him coming out of college. I think that he has talent. And even if he, in in the same vein as John Brown, is just the lead guy in a very bad offense, but he gets that lead guy role, 
he's going to be he's going to return a little bit of value. He can be a guy who gets, you know, 6 700 yards and a few touchdowns and be, have, be, have spot start value, flex value here and there or be best ball useful every now and again. And, it, and he's literally not getting drafted, so. Well, I was really interested in this podcast until I got him <laughs> Terry McLaurin. <laughs> Hey, man, uh, you said sleeper. Listen, here's the thing I have to say really quick. Yes. There are no sleepers anymore no. until you get to, like, the 20th round. Because of the, yeah. uh, like, even what Harm was talking about at the very beginning of this podcast with how saturated this market is now, fantasy football, and how much everyone is listening to and reading, people know the names that until you get into the 20th round. So to find a proper sleeper, I'm going all the way to Terry McClure. I appreciate I the process because you're that welcome. is very true. Um, there are no there are no sleepers anymore. Uh, I wanted to talk about Tyra Williams because he is definitely my sleeper for this season. But again, we've already talked about him and people know him. So I went a different route here. Um, and I went with Albert Wilson, uh, a guy, again, on a bad offense in the Miami Dolphins, but a guy that was effective last season. Uh, before going down to injury last season, he was the wide receiver 25 in, in PPR format. So He's a guy who is going to win in those short to intermediate routes. Uh, and if you log on to reception perception, you will see that that's where he wins. And when you have guys in there like Josh Rosen, who Okada and I are projecting to start uh, more games than Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think that plays well into what Wilson can do. He doesn't need to be super effective downfield or have those big splash weeks. In PPR formats, he's going to be pretty serviceable in my opinion, uh, especially because I project that team to have to be throwing the ball a decent amount here in 2019 to play some catch-up. So for me, Albert Wilson at his uh, draft price, which I think is is like round 12 or 13, is a very good value in my opinion, and I would love to have him on my roster at that price. If, you don't, if you've been following me for any amount of time and you don't know that I love Albert Wilson, I don't know what to tell you anymore. So, you know, look, I love I love the opportunity this year. I mean, I just, I just hope that I, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like, you know, gets to start. It sounds like he's going to because Josh Rosen's like just farting all over camp down there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Fitz is going to start some games, and I think it should be fun. Look, like as disgusting as it is, like a, a number two, a one-two punch, and if Devontae Parker can give them anything, that's cool. But a one-two punch of Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson's really not that bad. So, I mean, from a, this team's going to be behind a lot. I think that both of those guys are really good late-round sleepers. Also, at least from what we saw last year with Albert Wilson, he can take a short or intermediate target and do a disgustingly large amount with it. Uh, I just pulled up really ki- really quickly yards after catch uh, average per reception. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, he-, he was number one in the entire league if you set the minimum at just five targets. 12.9 yards after the catch per reception. That's disgusting. He was... Taking slants five yards past the line of scrimmage to the house, 90 yards away. So he's got an an unusual amount of upside for a guy who runs the kind of routes he does from where he does. So one guy that's going to be running a little bit of a different route tree uh, compared to Albert Wilson is Marquise Goodwin. Of course, the receiver for the 49ers. No one is talking about this guy. Harmon, why do you think he is a sleeper in 2019? We're getting a lot of positive news about this 49ers offense. Um... I think it could be a breakthrough unit this year. I love Kyle Shanahan as a coach. I love what they do off play action. I love the talent they've accumulated. You know, they have a ton of versatile receivers there. I, I'm in on Dante Pettis this year as a breakout candidate. 
Um, I'm starting to warm up to Tevin Coleman as a mid-round running back because I think the drumbeat on him is clearly like he's going to be the top back. And he goes in a range where there's just a disgusting dearth of running back uh, intrigue in those like rounds five to eight. It's rough out there. Coleman's one of the few appealing guys. Obviously, Kittle rocks. I, I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. And the number two receiver pretty clearly is Marquise Goodwin right now. By all reports, I don't think it's going to be Debo Samuel. And I going to be Jalen Hurd. So, look, he's another player like you're not counting on week to week. But during the bye week time, you know, especially in best ball, another home run hit. Like, for, for real. Like, he's a good receiver. Showed he could run more routes and just vertical patterns with Jimmy Garoppolo towards the end of 2017. I think he's legit good. I think he should have opportunity. And, again, if you're looking at late-round picks, you just want to see some guys who can outkick their expectations from a weekly perspective, and I think he's clearly that guy. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair. Um, it's kind of weird how everyone's talking about the Niners, but honestly, until tonight, I don't think I've talked with anyone about Marquise Goodwin. So uh, I think that definitely qualifies as a sleeper, uh, in my opinion. The last little uh, segment we have planned for you all is, of course – highlighting Harmon's reception perception. Uh, Harmon, you pre- you prepared this for us, so Okada and I don't know who we're going to talk about yet. So I'm going to give you the floor here in a second. Give me, uh, let's go two guys because we're running a little short on time. Give me two guys whose reception perception profile from last season indicates that they will probably take a pretty big step forward here in 2019. Well, we already talked about Curtis Samuel, and he's like, you know, clearly far and away the number one guy this year, you know, outside of Chris Godwin. And and there's really no, I could talk to you guys about Chris Godwin, but there's really no point anymore, right? Uh, we don't need to hear any more positivity. Everybody's kind of bought in on that. Um, let's talk about Christian Kirk, uh, since we already talked Curtis Samuel and we don't need to talk Chris Godwin. Like Christian Kirk to me was a guy I talked to right before, you know, the uh, 2000, 2018 NFL draft. You know, my biggest question to him was, hey, dude, and he's like, I'm going to punch you in the face. No, but like, <laughs> he's like, I'm like, hey, man, like, look, you played in the you played in the slot, you know, almost all the time in college. If you go to the NFL, like, can you play outside? He was adamant. Yes, I can. And then he goes out on the field and proves it in reception perception. He finished at a, with a pretty solid 69.7% success rate versus man coverage. And that was while playing inside on just 28.1% of his sampled snaps. So. Again, went out and showed he could play that flanker position. He was extremely successful on slants, digs, curls, and post routes, you know, those in-breaking routes. I think he's going to be running a ton of those in a high-paced offense this year. I think he will be the number one. I really am in on drafting him at his current cost. You know, he's a guy that just, to me, he makes perfect sense as a breakout candidate, even if this offense is a little... You know, I don't, I don't think the, the Cardinals are going to be that good, but I think they're going to run with a lot of high pace. And for that reason, I'm really in on who I think is their number one receiver there in Christian Kirk. And another guy, we I, I mentioned him a little bit in the Marquise Goodwin analysis, but Dante Pettis is a guy I'm in on too. You know, he's another breakout candidate that I think we should all be buying in on because if you look at what he can do, I think he can combine the short area skills of some of the guys that they drafted this year, that was the versatility of a Jalen Hurd, the versatility of a Debo Samuel. But he can also combine that with the deep game ability of a Marquise Goodwin. I think he's the most complete receiver on the on the uh, on the roster right now. You know, 64th percentile against press coverage, and that was while playing a ton of X receiver last year. You know, they drafted him because he can play the slot, he can play flanker, he can play X, but he was out there at X a lot, 34.9% of his sampled snaps. Uh, did he run against press coverage and was pretty solid against it. So I like Pettis and Kirk as mid-round guys that I think are worth their draft costs right now. 
Yeah, no, I, I think those both make sense. And like you said, you know, just looking at the data in terms of their success uh, as a receiver, it, it makes sense. And I saw Kata just smile when you said Christian Kirk because yep. that means he's getting the ball thrown from Kyler Murray. Uh, uh, real quick, since we have you on, I just want to know, Harmon, are you in on Kyler Murray this season? Yeah, I think you got to be, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do, do you need to like go out of your way to draft Kyler Murray? Maybe not, because quarterback is just so outrageously deep. But again, what's not to like? Uh, the offense is good. He, I mean, well, the offense, like in a theoretical perspective, they're going to run a lot of plays. They're going to throw a lot. Also, he's he's going to run the ball. Like, I don't know how many times we have to do this with rushing quarterbacks that they're just good in fantasy. I think everything is pointing up arrow-wise on Kyler Murray, and he is expensive right now. So, again, do you have to go out of your way to draft Kyler Murray? Probably not, but I think he is a guy that you can draft later-ish and probably start every single week and have a good hope for a nice floor because of the rushing and access to a really strong ceiling in the right game scripts. Yeah, I uh, I saw Okada just smiling so much while you were talking there. Um, I'm getting brainwashed because in Scott Fishbowl, I took him in the fourth round. So uh, I hope you're <laughs> right. Uh, I hope he has a su- successful year, not only for Christian Kirk, but also for all of our fantasy teams uh, as well. Uh, Harmon, thanks a lot, man. This was a blast having you on. I know Okada and I really do appreciate you taking some time uh, out of your schedule to sit down and talk some football with us. Give us one more time your handle on Twitter. Uh, plug what you've got going on with Yahoo. Uh, the floor is yours. So much going on with Yahoo, but uh, you can find me on Twitter things. and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And uh, I mean that's the best place to keep up with everything that we're doing. We've got the Facebook group, the Fantasy Football Survival Kit, and ton of video content coming off there. And yeah, the podcast with Liz and I is a blast. Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast, and yeah, we get just so much stuff coming out, so much content. I, I can't even run through it all but yeah it's going to be a great season and i thank you guys so much for having me on yeah absolutely man okada anything else for the people before we get out of here um no i'm just am struggling to recover from the kyler murray uh <laughs> stuff there so i'm so gonna go good. take a shower <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone on that note we're gonna go ahead and take off uh follow us on twitter at redshirts ff pod okada is matt okada i am at the fantasy pt and until next time we are the redshirts Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.